It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. As I have uh, two uh, great guests uh, to talk to you today and hopefully learn something from. If this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, well, welcome, and let me give you a little rundown on kind of how the show works. Um, you know, I, I have the privilege of meeting a lot of these uh, really inspiring and cool leaders, uh, or maybe finding them on LinkedIn or seeing them at a conference or whatever it may be. And uh, so instead of me just kind of asking them questions and, and learning something from them, I really did design this show to have that conversation out kind of in the public realm here um, on live radio and allow us to, to have that discussion and hopefully allow you to listen in. Um, and here's something that maybe you can use in your own career um, and life in a positive way. Um, we also love to have people kind of come in and ask questions while we're going or even after the fact on Twitter. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you. You can go to Twitter, um, pop in that question, get in the at people G2, and hopefully have room for a hashtag talent talk. My producer, Mike, who is diligently live tweeting uh, our, our shows, will try to feed me in any questions we get. Um, and it's after the show, we're, we're happy to answer them then. Uh, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, uh, as long as I'm in town or it's not a holiday. And uh, so most of the year we're here live. Otherwise, we kind of play one of our best of shows. Uh, but you can access us anytime. Uh, the show is turned into a podcast, thrown up on iTunes. You can find us there. We can also hear us on iHeartRadio anytime. Uh, and there's been over uh, 3 million downloads in the last 12 months of the past shows, which is about 10,000 a day. Really appreciate everyone being a part of the, the platform, uh, being part of the podcast, and uh, just supporting us. So let's go ahead and get to, to today's show. Now that all the business is out of the way, I'm going to have on two guests. Uh, the first one will be Lily Lamb, Principal and VP of Growth for One Digital. And then we'll have uh, Claudia White, an industrial and organizational psychologist, at White Sand Consultants on. Uh, she'll join me on the second half of the show after that commercial break. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest, uh, Lily. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about, about yourself, uh, what we should know about you, and, of course, what your company does, One Digital Health and Benefits. Yes, so One Digital Health and Benefits. So, again, my name is Lily Lamb, and I am the Principal and Vice President of Growth. Uh, for One Digital Health and Benefits. I've been here for 16 years now, and One Digital is the largest national consulting firm that solely focuses on employee benefits. That's all we do. We only do employee benefits. Uh, we provide our clients with more like a holistic approach to their benefit programs to, of course, control their health care expenses, enhance their perception of benefits and culture, and ultimately we just want to give our clients peace of mind when it comes to all things benefits administration, compliance, technology, and so forth. So a lot of our clients use us as trusted advisors and partners to help them attract the right talent for the organizations and to build value into their benefit programs. Well, you did an excellent job of introducing us to the company. Uh, maybe give us a little bit of uh, color around, you know, who you are and, and how maybe you, you kind of got to this place and uh, into this company. Great. Well, you know, I'm excited because I started in this business. I've been here, as I mentioned, 16 years of um, this is kind of where my career started, um, starting after college, um, very young, and I grew organically in this company. So I've, I've seen it from a small boutique agency to a regional agency, now part of the largest uh, benefits-only agency across the nation. Um, I've worked in this business from, you know, managing accounts 
to servicing clients, to doing all the things that a lot of my team members do now um, throughout the many years I've been with the organization. I've been fortunate to have grown into the role and now focus on growth. Uh, so that comes all things uh, consulting, uh, sales, marketing, and new business development for my team. So, you know, when you look and you, know, you kind of work on this uh, side of the house of HR and helping people there with health and benefits, and, you know, some people might look at that and say, though, that might be relatively mundane or, or simple. But, you know, when you look at sort of the strategic footprint of HR, the, the benefits a company offers an employee can sometimes make or break the relationship or keep retention going, um, really has that kind of potential for that long-term relationship between the employee and the employer. So, you know, is this the, the, the most, maybe what companies are kind of looking at uh, as part of that strategy? Um, or do you think that it may, you know, kind of change what they're looking for um, from the employees' minds in, in taking a job? You know, kind of how, how strategic it, it, do you think it really is? I think it's, it's crucial. Um, you know, benefits, employee benefits is always in the top three loyalty factors. Uh, when a valuable team member is, you know, reevaluating their their program in their work, um, right up there with financial and work life balance. So I think it's super important. Uh, and it's working for a company, you want to feel valued. You want to make sure that the company is keeping you in their best interest. And I think the benefit program that you put in place goes hand to hand with that. If you can offer and communicate a program that employees will value, um, that assesses, you know, their needs and their family needs, I think it will have a direct correlation to your job satisfaction. So I think it's, it's valuable. I mean, we have numerous stories for many of our clients who've turned around their culture, turned around their uh, employee communication standpoint for their employee benefit program. Uh, we've con- convinced owners to say, if you're going to put an investment in your employee benefit program, you're doing thousands and thousands of dollars, millions of dollars into your benefit program, are you getting a return on investment? Are your employees valuing it? It's a direct you know, uh, direct decision that you make to invest in them, do they understand that? And so we spent a lot of time talking to owners and, and, and leadership and C-suites to really see uh, what the value of benefit is, how it relates to employees. And, and year over year, we've seen results for our clients when we are positive, positively affecting our clients and how it changes the culture and how it changes their satisfaction of their job um, as we make these incremental changes in their benefit programs. So, you know, you're kind of describing here the, the benefits it can have on a on the culture, maybe even change the culture. And I certainly have seen um, where the, the right sort of approach, and that this is different for every company with their benefits, can really support the, their cultural goals. Uh, maybe what, what sort of things can companies offer in this area um, that would maybe have, have the most direct impact um, on that long-term kind of approach uh, for a better culture? That's a great question. I think for, for many factors, our clients, we always ask them to figure out is what is their, you know, intention of culture? You know, what do they want to have long term? Are they looking to, you know, what kind of strategic direction of having? And to figure out is, one, are they communicating that to their employees? Um, are they engaging with their employees in the right manner? So do they understand their employee staff and how they want to be engaged? Do they want to sit in a town hall? Do they want a staff meeting? Do they want to talk through the app? Do they want to do an instant message? There's so many different ways to communicate now. And if you're communicating one way that you feel is right, if it doesn't work, you got to figure out the way, what's going to work. Because I think that people are only going to relate to leadership and their vision and also make it their own vision if they understand it. And so I think assessing how you communicate to your, your team is important and it changes your culture a lot. Um, you know, we use the term a lot of cor- corporate well-being, uh, colleague well-being, you know, how do we focus on the well-being to change the culture and communication has always been a key piece of, of that. Um, I think, number one, when people want to know, how can I improve? I think engagement is one of the key things. Yeah, absolutely. And that can really be a, a kind of a, a, one of those things that maybe people don't think about that has a, can have such a huge impact on, on a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so now within your own company, you're responsible for setting a strategic vision and managing the sales and, and consulting teams. Um, what would you identify as something that you do in your own leadership that really adds to the, the culture of your company? Great. Well, for me, I think what I bring is my passion, my drive, and fun. Uh, I ultimately think I'm, I, I, you know, I would, insurance and employee benefits is not exactly the sexiest topic out there. And so I always want to kind of show my employees, you know, how much passion and how we impact 
that lies every day. And it, it sounds so, you know, serious, but, you know, everything we do as a company and what we do for our clients, it touches a life in every day, whether we're helping them get to the right doctor or we're uh, helping them resolve an issue or secure um, a, a surgery that they couldn't get. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we impact our clients and impact our organizations through their financial uh, results as well. So for me, it's the passion. I think what uh, my leadership is, I think that uh, lead by example, uh, I, I show passion to what I do. Uh, I have a passion for growing my team professional, professionally and personally and do whatever it takes to succeed. So I, as an organization, One Digital, we focus a lot on our culture and our people because we know that that will automatically transcend to an, an amazing client experience. And so we do a lot of initiatives inside versus just a client-first environment. Yeah, so you, you talked about initiatives. Uh, I know you kind of focus on improvement initiatives. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you do in that area and what sort of things uh, maybe you're working on to improve on now? Yeah, so our, our local mantra right now right here is uh, be engaged, uh, add value, and grow. And so when we always keep our mantra in mind, we figure out as are the, the decisions we're making every day as managers and supervisors for our team, you know, is that, does that follow our mantra? Are the employees going to be engaged? Are they adding value? Are they going to grow? Um, so, you know, we are, uh, we continually survey our team to figure out is, you know, how, how can we help improve your process? Even though, yes, you may be following a direction that we've done for the last two years, we sit down often, uh, if not monthly, at least every quarterly to figure out is, is there a way for us to improve this process? And we do it holistically as a, as a team and collaboratively. Um, and the fact that we're asking them how we can make their life easier, it always helps. Uh, so we do that off, often to our teams. We do it consistently. And then we always call, carry through with it. So we always have some accountability towards, you know, we said we're going to change this process. We tested this. Did it work? And and did it, did it actually improve your process, your time? Did you gain anything for it? Uh, do our clients see value in it? Um, we're big on work-life balance. I think a lot of people talk about work-life balance and do people who work a lot, work hard, truly have that. And so we're constantly trying to focus on, yes, this could be our busiest season of the year, but do we give work-life balance to our, our team members? And, and if we're not, let's, let's change that. So like right now we have this um, uh, session, what we call the Zen season, and we're doing a meditation for our team members. We're doing... We have massages coming on Monday, so we're trying to give them a little bit, say, hey, it is busy season, but we want to give you a little zen in life. We're going to be doing a yoga class. Uh, so a lot of those things where we're just trying to figure out improving not only, you know, our work product, but also themselves and, and their mental mind uh, as we continue to be busier and grow. Well, so it sounds like uh, great uh, initiatives um, and, and really trying to keep that balance. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of look at... Uh, because on that one end, that's things you can do for your employees. And one of the other things that maybe uh, companies are thinking about is, you know, who are the right people to bring in to my company? Um, maybe you could talk about what you guys do to attract the right talent. What are some of the things that you're kind of looking for for a, a best fit when you, it is time for you to hire? Yeah, for, for new team members for us, our, our number one factor is culture fit. And a candidate can be the perfect on paper but if they don't fit with us as teams, then they're, they're off the table right away. Because um, ultimately, um, you know, healthcare and employee benefits in our industry, uh, it's what we consider trainable. Uh, we can teach through our training programs, our leadership programs, we can teach a team member about employee benefits and what's transpired over the many, many years and what's coming down in regulation. But what we can't train is, is their aptitude and attitude. And so for us, attitude and aptitude is the most important factor. Uh, we spend a lot of due diligence in our, our hiring process. Uh, we, we often say we're pretty slow to hire. Uh, we take our time. Uh, we really understand their goals. We often get to know their families as well. Because ultimately, I want a teamer who's going to make a, a long-term fit for us. You know, we're not. I always tell people we're not looking for a job. Uh, we're looking for ultimately a career and, and joining a family. Uh, even though we're large now, you know, we're the largest employee benefits firm in the nation, close to 1,100 employees. Locally in Southern California, I have close to 100. I still want them to feel like they're part of a family, and that every day and everything they do, even if they're an admin to a communication specialist, an account manager, or consultant, that they all fit and they all add value. So we're, we take our time, we make us a good fit, um, and it starts from the beginning. So even when someone comes in to, to meet with me on a first interview, you know, it tells me a lot about you know how they prepared for the meeting, 
did you know what kind of questions are they asking me? Uh, I really kind of dig into what their passion is because people can talk about experience all day, but really what I'm looking for is you know what is their experience going to do for them tomorrow? And I'm always trying to focus on you know where do they see themselves growing and, and what can they what what is their past skill set can bring to our organization now? Um, so we're really big about culture fit as being our number one factor for talent. Now, how do you deal with, um, you know, that, uh, so co- ha- having the right fit, having someone who fits in culturally uh, mm-hmm. on one end can be really great. And then sometimes on on the other side, it can be, well, do you get someone who's thinking exactly the same way as everyone else, right? So you don't necessarily have someone who's going to come in and help you be innovative or help you think about things in a different way um, because it might be, you know, kind of... Uh, mess everything up a little bit, right? You might kind of rock the boat a little bit. So do you worry about that at all? Or do you, is that fit maybe on a different level that's not necessarily how you approach the job, but maybe how people get along or work together? Yeah. And when I say culture fit, I don't necessarily mean just personalities. If you, because you come to an organization here at One Digital, everyone's different. Everyone has their own personality. Um, But what I love about it is that they're open-minded uh, they're innovative. They all have a passion for something that helps uh, add value. And ultimately, it's the team collaboration. So it's really hard in an interview process to determine the culture fit aspect of it, which is why we, we hire slow, because you can't really see someone in, in one meeting, because, you know, they ultimately could be a salesperson, and they're going to sell you in that first interview. But ultimately, we want to know, outside of that, you know, one-hour interview, uh, who they are, and, and really what kind of, um, you know, drive and what kind of vision um, what they can bring to the organization. So I actually like people who have different mindsets. Uh, I like people who have, who have different uh, life experiences because what it brings is it actually brings more to our culture. Um, if, I, if I hired a bunch of people who are all very similar, who all thought alike and just got along, it's great, um, but what it doesn't drive is innovation. And so we're always looking for people who are, are going to think outside the box, who are going to bring uh, different aspects, who think a little bit differently, because uh, I think it contributes to our culture and, and it continues to inno- you know, drive innovation for our, our team. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that, because often uh, we have seen people that will struggle because they will hire so much culture fit turns into, you know, a bunch of identical people. Uh, right. Kind of looking the same, acting the same, thinking <laughs> the same, right? And then you... It's pretty hard to innovate when you do that. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, we're not looking for the similar personalities. We're really more really looking for, um, you know, kind of their enthusiasm. You know, uh, do they have the right mindset? Uh, those kind of things we're kind of looking for. Well, I'm wondering, uh, you know, if there is a book that you're reading right now. It's a question that we really enjoy asking our guests because we get to really run the gamut of, of answers, everything from children's books to pure magazines to, uh, you know, uh, classic books to maybe something really relevant uh, in the business world that we might consider uh, doing. So is there a book that maybe you're reading right now or often uh, suggest people take a look at? Yeah, well, I read a lot of books, too. I have three children, eight, nine, and ten months, so I'm reading many children books often. But um, <laughs> professionally, uh, I am reading a book that I just started called Detour uh, by Steve uh, Gilliland, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And the premise of the book is uh, changing the mindset on how to approach obstacle and challenges. Um, and the reason why I kind of chose this book is, you know, I am always looking for the best ways to motivate our team members who may be at a, I don't know what you would call it, like a, a stale stage of their career or maybe not as motivated as they were a couple of years ago or even a brand new team member. How do I may change their mindset to, you know, view an obstacle, a, a, a challenge every day? As advisors, we're always solving issues. You know, we, we consider ourselves as maybe a, a firehouse. We're always putting out fires here. And so we're always trying to figure out ways to um, empower them, how to help them. You know, I always kind of focus on being a coach versus a manager or a supervisor. I really want to be on their side and know that I'm going to, you know, have their back. But I'm also going to figure out the best ways to help approach a situation a little bit differently. And a lot of it comes with mindset, uh, how they approach a situation. So. I'm, I'm really excited about reading this book, and hopefully I'll take some good things away from from it so that I can kind of continue in engaging with my team. And I'm, I'm sorry, I missed, can you say what the title was again? Detour? Detour. All right. Uh, yeah. I've heard of that book. Sounds, sounds like a good one to check out. 
Uh, you know, one of the things that I always enjoy uh, asking um, other uh, our, our guests is, you know, if there's someone that you remember somewhere along the way that had maybe a really significant impact on your leadership style or, you know, kind of the person that you are today um, that, you, that you might uh, sh- share or, or tell us a story about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think for me, the person that's made the best, biggest impact on my career is actually currently my regional regional managing principal. So I've been working with him for 16 years. And you can imagine being a, a young uh, professional um, coming out of the industry. Um, I was a little hesitant. I didn't know what I was getting into. You're always trying to figure out what you can do in life. And the reason why I chose to work with Chris, his name is Chris Turin, um, is when I met him, you could just tell that he's, one, a great leader. And the way you know he's a great leader is the way he talks to you, uh, the way he approaches his questions. Um, when he's explaining something, he actually takes the time to actually um, make sure you understand it uh, so that you can be successful. And so I've learned so much as a leader from him um, in the 16 years. And I always kind of joke around and tell people I've never heard him raise his voice. Um, you know, even though when I feel like he needs to be raising his voice, he doesn't. <laughs> he always takes it very calmly. He he, he brings every he brings this eloquence to his his answers and his responses. And many times when I'm fuming and I'm like, oh my god, why are we doing this? He always has this calm, collective like there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's figure out how to get there. And so he's always kind of shown me as a leader that there's always a different way, a different mindset. You know, he he's really good at that. And so he continues to inspire me every day, and I'm fortunate to be here and to continue to watch his leadership. And he is leader. He's transcended over the years as a different leader as well, and I just continue to take so many things away from him. Well, I really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. I, I'm wondering if maybe if someone only heard one thing or if they maybe had tuned in for just a short time today, is there one thing that maybe we talked about today you think would be the best takeaway or something that sh- people should definitely remember? Well, I definitely remember that if your organization doesn't have a purposeful or intentional uh, direction on your culture, you should. I think that should be the number one factor for any leadership and organization is um, do you have an intentional culture and what is that? Because every day someone walks through their door, they have to make sure that person is living their culture and understands their culture um, and and they're creating initiatives in the organization to foster that and continue to create a, a growing and thriving environment. Uh, how can people uh, get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Maybe they want to work with your company and find out about uh, improving their benefits, uh, health and benefits program. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, great. Um, so you can always visit our website at www.onedigital.com. Uh, I'm happy to take any direct calls anytime at 949-328-3080 or to email me, uh, L-L-A-M, so L-L-A-M at OneDigital.com. Well, Lily, thank you so much for being on the show. Loved having you here, and hopefully our listeners uh, got something that they can use in their own life and uh, take back with them and make things better. So um, I hope that we have you come back at some point and give us an update on what you're doing, but uh, best of luck to you. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. I'll be right back with my second guest, uh, Claudia White. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. If you're just uh, joining us, you missed a great interview there with uh, Lily Lamb. Uh, but you can catch it uh, probably next week or so. It'll be up on iTunes and iHeartRadio 
uh, once we take this live broadcast and turn it into a podcast. So uh, next up, I'm going to bring in uh, Claudia White. She is uh, an industrial and organizational psychologist at White Sand Consultants. Don't forget, you can also go to talenttalkradio.com and uh, hear our past episodes. And, of course, we'd love to have you involved in the conversation. Send us your questions, your comments, your suggestions, uh, or guests, whatever it may be, on Twitter. Send it to at people, uh, excuse me, at people G2, the number two, uh, uh, and include that hashtag, Talent Talk. But, uh, Claudia, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. I'm on the radio, so which means I'm playing hooky from, from work, so I'm doing well. Um, but why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, of course, what your company does, White Sand Consultants. Yes, hi. Um, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist, and that is a lot of words to basically say I look at people in business as opposed to individuals who are, quote-unquote, sick and have psychological problems. And I started this straight out of graduate school in 1995. And the truth be known, really, when we think about a business, a business is nothing but people. And at least for right now, maybe in the future, it will be all technology and robots and so on. I don't know. I hope not. I don't think that would work. But for right now, it's about people and helping them to be the best that they can be. And that's accomplished through coaching and training. And we work with organizations so they themselves can be productive and have high performance. And that's done through organizational development, leadership, and strategy. And so that's basically who we are. And I started this, like I said, in 1995. Well, uh, I know you specialize in helping companies increase their workforce, workforce performance and productivity, amongst many other things. So we're at a very basic level. Can you describe how you do some of these things or maybe what are some of the things you're kind of looking for to really uh, to go after to help companies? Well, in the ideal world, which is I wish all my clients would let me do the ideal world type of project, I would get calls. In and I would go in and I would assess the situation. And part of the assessment might be looking at, a, excuse me, focus groups, um, doing individual interviews, doing surveys, and kind of gathering information to make sense of the situation itself. And additionally, I do an awful lot of observation just looking at what I see. So, for example, if I went into an organization, and which I have actually gone into an organization and there was absolutely no pictures of anybody's personal life, their kids, their spouses, friends, there was nothing on the wall, no pictures anywhere. And what that I walked away thinking the first time, wow, this is a very sterile place because there's nothing that makes it human. And ironically, at the end of the project, we found out that the place lacks, you know, the human factor, the factor that that brings us there and wants us to stay there and makes us happy. Because those are the little things that really make a difference. So that's not just very basic. You know, the best part is the assessment. It's really trying to get to the crooks of the matter. Once we can figure that out, then we can figure out what needs to be done and who should be doing it and when it should be done. And that's where assuming that this is a organizational development type project or a performance management type project, we go in and we implement strategies that will change the way things work or change the way things look. But we're not making those decisions by ourselves. That's part of the assessment. The employees, truthfully, do know where they want the organization to go and how it should look. The leaders have to be leaders, quote-unquote, not managers. And so they guide us. They guide the organization. They guide the employees to where the organization needs to go. And then ideally, at the end, we give them recommendations about things they should do. So it might be training. 
it might be coaching, it might be more strategy, it might be, you know, partnering with other companies or other groups to get their people to rise up. It, there, there's so many different ways to do it. And then, of course, at the very end is to then go back in after some of these changes have gone in place to check to see what's happened. So like a post-analysis to see where they are and versus where they were in the past. So that's, that's as basic as I can make it. And, and so what are maybe some of your favorite uh, types of tools or things to maybe really think about this? So I understand kind of maybe where you're, you're headed, but are you looking at um, happiness of employees or engagement? Are you looking at turnover rate? I mean, what, what kind of things are you really looking at when you're making an assessment? Well, all of the above. I have the luck, if I can call it luck, or the, the, the fortunate opportunity to be able to see things from a very global level, or as we would call it in my field, a systemic level. So I, I, I'm looking at things and trying to make sense out of it. And in doing that, I'm then able to figure out what tools will get me there. So, for example, one of my favorite tools is um, a 360-degree feedback. And what a 360-degree feedback does, and if you can just picture this in your mind, 360 is a circle, okay? And so let's say I am employee A. So I'm the center of that circle or the center of the universe, if you want to call it that. And I have my supervisor assess me, my peers, a group of peers assess me, a group of employees maybe from another department that that I work with, so let's say accountant, or two or three departments that I work with, and they will assess me. And if, if all goes right, I may have vendors, if vendors are in, I, I work with vendors at all, and customers, if I work with customers at all. And so they will all give me feedback, and it, it formulates in terms of a group. So you'd have the employees, sorry, the, the co-workers, the peers from other departments, the vendors, supervisor, et cetera, and, and myself. I also assess myself, and then we match up where I see myself versus where others see me. And, and it's a great way to look at what are some of the challenges that an organization or a department may have in terms of, say, teamwork? Why isn't this team working? And what we find out is that Claudia talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk, for example, while she thinks she's doing everything correctly. So that's a brilliant tool to get information. It's very um tied into, clearly, research, and to statistics. So it's not just what is the consultant thing. It is feedback that is that comes together, and you can chart it and put it in graphs and so on, and then look at it. There's one other assessment tool that is not well known um, to the average company called SimLog, Systematic Organization of Groups. And... What that looks at is an awful lot of stats and a database where people take the survey, and it's only really one question that's asked. In general, how do you, for example, view the leadership behaviors in this organization? And there are 26 items that people respond to. And they just go down the list, check them off, that goes into the database and pumps out um, the bailed report. And that report is tied to work and research done all the way back to the 1940s out of Harvard. It's not a cheap tool by any means, but boy, does it not give us wonderful information. And we can flex it to use it to look at different issues. 
that's really, that's really, I think, really important is um, companies taking the time to actually do this, making the investment to actually do it, um, and then maybe having someone like yourself that can help them interpret this, right, and then to have an outside uh, maybe view or, or experience and being able to, to help them understand what they are seeing. Um, very often we don't want to look in the mirror. We don't want to, to maybe have to think about the problem or hope the problem mm-hmm. might just go away. Um, I guess even if it's not even a problem, it's that we don't, what, what could you be doing to be even better uh, to take your company Absolute. to that to the next level? Absolutely. It doesn't mean that because you're making money that your employees are really having high productivity or that their performance is the maximum. Sometimes we make money in spite of ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I had a client that was the situation. They were making money. In fact, the, the, the general manager, when he took over this particular hotel, the hotel was in the negative. It's a huge hotel. Huge, huge, huge. It's, it's in the Caribbean. And when he came in, because he really was very dynamic, he came in and got things going, and within three years, they were at over $7 million in credit. They're making money, okay? And when I went in, what I found out very quickly is that, really, they were making money in spite of themselves, and at some time in the close future, they were going to crash and burn. And believe it or not, they almost crashed and burned. Good thing he and I had talked ahead of time, and I said, heads up, you've got to look at the following things. Yeah, great, you're making money. But, and it's the but that sometimes gets you. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, we got to, someone can come in and they can really change things. And we can all maybe jump in and do extra and and, and maybe provide something on a short-term basis to help the company. But often what we overlook is that, you know, what's the balance of that? Can can, can employees sustain that kind of energy and effort? Um, can they continue to do the job of two people, but never, you know, get any training or learn anything new or uh, have new challenges. And so that kind of gets back into that thought about uh, how we deal with the work-life balance with employees. Um, what are some of your thoughts on how do we effectively, you know, kind of deal with that issue, given that people can be on their phones and their computers 24 hours a day and um, whether we want them to or not can sort of be thinking about work all the time. How, how do we attack that? Well, you, you bring up a really, really good point. And so I'm going to answer it twofold because there's two parts. Can they sustain what gets started? The question really begs, is the company ready to advance or to change its culture? And that's, that's really important. So for sake of discussion, let's take our car industry, our auto industry here in the U.S. and go back as far back as even the 70s, when we were making what I call house and land, because the cars were just so big, you could move in and live in the car and not think you're living in a car, at least that's my opinion. In the meanwhile, the Japanese looked at, at what we were doing and said, wait a minute. You know, people just want to get from point A to point B. What they want is an efficient car, and they want it to run for a long time. They don't want to have to buy another one every three, four, five years if, unless they choose to. So they, that's exactly what they did. And, and I'm sure you know that, you know, to, to name names here, Honda, Toyota, and so on, has built really great cars for a long time. Now, in, in terms of our U.S. auto industry, we have been tailing them for a long time. Now we've kind of caught up. And we're, we're producing a lot more smarter cars, cars that are doing things and more cutting edge. You know, the Ford Focus, for example, you know, whether it's an electric car or, or um, ethanol car or, or a hybrid car, we're, we're now looking at fuel efficiency in a way that we didn't in the past. And so that's really important. Now, let me shift over to work-life balance. That is the crook of the matter. The 
population that we call the baby boomers who are slowly getting out of the workforce. I think they want to, but, you know, economy and so on. So they're slowly moving out of the workforce. And the Gen X is who are, believe it or not, getting out of the workforce sooner than later as well, are shifting. And, and now we're looking at the millennials, the younger ones, the ones in their 20s and some in their 30s, that are saying, I don't want what my parents had. I don't want to work 500 hours a week. I don't want to take one week vacation. I don't want to have to drive to an office when I can roll out of bed, choose to wash my face or not, and get the work done. What if I want to work at 2 o'clock in the morning? I'm a night person. Why should I be working in an office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? And so the need for work-life balance is very critical. It's not. It's more than just having children and being able to be there for them, but being able to live your life authentically and still work. And, and, and make meaningful contribution to your employer. So it, it, it will be an interesting workplace, even more so, I think, in the next 10 to 20 years. What will these people be looking for and how will they do it? But for right now, they are really living the life, when they can get it, of working from home and going out and eating when they want and doing the things they want, and not just working, also living, if that makes sense. Money is not their greatest priority. Their freedom is. Lucky for me, I, I, was, I had a millennial mind 20-something years ago. That's how I ended up being straight in white sand, so I could have the freedom of choice. It's a good segue because I was going to ask you, uh, in, in you creating this uh, company and, and now going out and doing the work that you're doing, is there uh, maybe a, a a big win or a greatest triumph or whatever it may be? I don't have to name any names that maybe you think that you were able to go in and really make a, a huge impact that, you know, from an organizational change standpoint, really, um, you know, made the difference uh, in that company going from, you know, point A to point B and it, it being a really you know, fantastic improvement. You know, there. I have several of those, many of those actually, but one that comes to mind is an organization. It was a federal agency, but it was in one of the smaller states, but it wasn't a, a, in D.C. And they had a lot of scientists, biologists, and so on in the organization. They were in two different parts of the state with one person overseeing it, and unfortunately for him, his number two guy had been there for a much longer time, and people really disliked him. Really, really disliked him. And but by the time I came along to work with them, they had told me that he had retired. But what nobody had told me initially is that I was sitting at his desk doing the interviews, and people were just cringing when they came in there, as if they expected him to come walking in any, any moment. And we were <laughs> able, it was really very strange. It's very like strange. PTSD in the office. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm telling you, I could pull up my diagnostic book any day, and I guarantee you I could go down the list and say, well, this one is borderline, and that one is schizophrenic, and... Because organizations, we, 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 we bring ourselves to the organization. And the organization becomes what we give to it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And what was interesting is that the two offices, basically the people didn't like each other. They were competing on a micro level and really not caring about each other at all. So, so there were so many dynamics. They didn't like one of the supervisor because he was doing this. They didn't like the, the leader because he wouldn't squash the number two. They didn't, you know, they had so much issues. And then, of course, there's the credentials. But I'm a bachelor's level biologist or chemist. But wait a minute, I'm a master's level, you know. And so you have that, that subtle level of competition also occurring. So what I did was I did a session 
in one city and I did the second session in the second city and I had the team leaders, all the managers, in both sessions with both teams. And we did something which was kind of rare. And this is a very um, clinical step, which I had them seated back to back so they couldn't see each other's face. And prior to that, I had them write down the issue and drop it anonymously, or pin it anonymously on the board, I think. And I would randomly put my hand in a bag, take all these things down, put them in a bag, randomly give one to a random supervisor or a random manager and say, respond to this. No name, nobody knows who wrote it, and it was extremely therapeutic. In, the, in a positive way, in that things that were never talked about were talked about. And strategies were then put into place. And I remember when I gave the report with recommendations to the general manager, he said to me, this is just too much. I don't know where to start. And I said, you start at the beginning. You take one small thing and you work it through. Then you go to the next one and you work it through. You don't need to work all of the issues all of the time. And, so and that's that fantastic that. advice because I often see companies come in and try to do way too many things. Right? They've got three initiatives yeah. going. They've got, um, you know, different departments all trying to do these different things. And then it gets to be you you don't get that chance to have a win. You don't get that chance right. to um, actually give it time to really become, a, become sticky, right, become part of that culture. So it's a great point you're bringing up. Well, it's just, you know, human beings don't like change, you know. They take the same road to work every day. They shop at the same grocery store. They buy the same items. If they like a particular toothpaste, they buy that toothpaste all the time. And it's, it's not a criticism when they do that. It's just an observation that we like to stick to what we know. And so when you bring change in, it needs to be incremental. Little by little by little, because then people are more open to want to be a part of that change, especially when you get them involved. That's why the assessment portion of the consulting work is so critical. When I said earlier, in the ideal world, that's what I want. Many times people say, we need this. And I say, why do you need this? And they can't tell me. Well, we decided at a meeting. Oh, that sounds great. What, <laughs> what's causing it? What's pushing you to want this? Uh, well, we just need it. Or we heard that somebody we know went to some seminar someplace, and it sounded good, and they tried it, and it worked over there. And I usually have to say to people, one size does not fit all. It just doesn't. You have to figure out what your needs, what needs to be changed, how it's going to be changed, the what, when, why, how, kind of question so then you can then move on to the next thing absolutely well uh, I know you are a, a smart woman so I'm going to assume uh, you're going to have the best answer of all time no I won't put that much pressure on you but uh, maybe a good answer for us and that is is there a book you're reading right now that we might want to check out that's a good question I just finished a book in fact it's got to be published in the month of November that's called The Ingredients of Teamwork. And that's my observation from being in a very small Italian town at a, what they call a Macchiera, which is really an old building that they have recreated into a, a hotel that has 10 rooms. So it's more of a banquet place. And they make everything from scratch. They ice cream the almond, whatever, the, you know, everything. And everything is done fresh every day for every client. And they work together as a team. So really, I am telling a story of what I observe rather than what I think they're doing. But to really answer your question, not to promote my book necessarily, I've been reading, I have a daily email that's that that I get, it's called a skim. It skims the news, more like a satire. And I get to see what people are doing everywhere, wherever. 
that seems to be important to these writers and they joke about things. But it's a good way to look at things. The second thing I've been doing, which is very new, rather than just a book, is I've been looking at news. I don't watch news on TV. I don't have regular TV at all. And I, I can skim through it quickly. But it tells me what our leaders are doing right now, what they're not doing. And, of course, I'm being the type of person that I am. I can then sum up, does it make sense in terms of leadership? And then the final set of websites, sorry, the final set of readings are different websites, something I never did in the past. I was always reading a book. But I'm picking up websites with short synopsis about different things that makes me ponder. And I want to encourage people to do that, not just one source of reading or, or hearing, radio or TV, but, but to pick up things all over and try to make sense out of it. Well, those are all fantastic examples. Uh, I know I'll be grabbing the skim. That was the one that in my brain uh, I kind of grabbed onto. Um, and I want to check that one out. So I uh, really appreciate, uh, Claudia, you coming on the show today uh, and, and sharing so much with us. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about you or working uh, with uh, White Sands Consultants? Well, I'm here local in Orange County. I'm in Tribuco Canyon, and you can call me anytime, 949-713-9797. Again, that's 949-713-9797. My website is currently under construction, again, or reconstruction, so it may or may not come up, but it would be whitesandconsultants.com. Or you can email me, Claudia at whitesandconsultants.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. If there's anything I can do to help you move forward, please don't hesitate to call. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. Hopefully we can have you come back and uh, tell us some more stories and give us some more of your wins that you've been out there uh, making happen. Uh, but, uh, again, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Have a great afternoon. All right. Next week, my guest will be uh, Tom Darrow, the founder and principal of Talent Connections, and then Carol Anderson, principal of Anderson Performance Partners. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.